Hello and welcome to another episode of the Raptors Community and NBA Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony, the person who runs at Raptors underscore community on Instagram. And today we're going to be talking about, we're going to start off with, um, let's start with the first round reactions of the 2019 NBA playoffs. And then we'll talk about my second round predictions, as well as the Raptors vs. Philly game, which was played Saturday night, and today it's Sunday morning I'm recording this, so I'll be able to talk about that game, my reaction to Kawhi's career high, Pascal Siakam, um, how we're going to stop Embiid, how we're going to stop Redick, that's all coming up. But first, let's start with the first round. So... From the first round, we're going to just go through every series, starting with Philly, Orlando. The Toronto Raptors beat Orlando 4-1 in the series. That first game kind of scared me. I was thinking this series was going 6. I was convinced that Orlando would take one at home, but the Raptors contained Vucevic throughout the entire series. That was something I was saying is a key to the series, and Marcus Gasol really did that, and they really defended really well. As they had, I think they had the second uh, lowest points per game allowed. So they really contained this Orlando team. And they played good offense against a team actually in the Orlando Magic that finished the season really hot. They were like a top five team in the NBA in terms of record over the last little bit of the season. They balled out to get into this playoffs. But the Raptors just had too much star power. We saw Pascal Siakam rise to a star. We saw Lowry do what he does, taking the most charges in the NBA, things like that. He's a Obviously, we know he's our dog. We need him. And he plays that kind of game with the charges, the fouls, the loose balls, the deflections. Those are the kind of things that he thrives on. And those are the kinds of things he does that don't show up on the box score. And we especially saw Pascal Siakam rise to become a star. We saw him go from this season at the beginning of the year as most improved player candidate to the second half after the All-Star, we saw him become instantly, we saw him become the um, number one pick for most improved player. And then now in the playoffs, we are seeing him rise into an absolute star. And I think his progress is just going to keep going through these playoffs as teams try and match him. Teams try and make him shoot um, top of the key or non-corner threes, you know, threes from more of the top of the arc, and teams are going to make him also shoot, um, like, jump shots and things like that, Not you know, let, try and not let him get to the rim, make him take contested uh, bunnies near the rim. But I think that if he keeps improving his game, next to Kawhi Leonard, we have a nasty, nasty duo that will thrive in the playoffs. And just the length, when you think about the Raptors, you got... Such good defense, such good length. Marcus Saul is seven feet tall, and he's one of the elite defenders. We saw that against Vucevic. He could not do anything against Gasol. He's just he's too polished as a defender, and he doesn't really foul, so he'll never really get thrown out of a game. He won't be in foul trouble. Even in game one against Embiid, he didn't really get in foul trouble. I'll talk more about that later. But then we also saw Kyle Lowry, who after game one having zero points was still plus 11 so he's still playing winning ball and then we saw him after that put up 22 points and then continue that throughout the series playing really good basketball so he's a plus player and we know that he doesn't have to always affect the box score to be an influential player 
just his presence and his shooting ability gives space for people like Kawhi Leonard and especially Pascal Siakam to operate and do their thing so that if they send a double, you can kick it out to Lowry and make him hit a three as an effective three-point shooter. And that's why Danny Green, my biggest takeaway from round one is Kawhi Leonard and Siakam are monsters. They're going to do what they do. Lowry is kind of an X-factor offensively, but I think he plays winning ball, so I'm not too worried about him. We saw also Danny Green, the big question mark. He did okay. He shot 36% from three, and you're probably thinking, oh, that's not that bad, but for him, he's a 45% three-point shooter. We need him shooting over 40. That's what he does. I'm not too concerned, though. I know he can shoot, and I know he's not letting any, he's not going to have a, let that have a mental effect on his game, but <clears throat> against Philly, he's going to need to um, match with J.J. Redick, but we'll talk more about that later. So now let's move over to Philly versus Brooklyn. So Brooklyn took game one, and then I thought, okay, Philly, I, I actually predicted at the beginning of the series that that Brooklyn would take them seven. So I predicted Toronto in five, and I predicted Philly in seven. And <clears throat> I chose that because of the guard play of this team. I thought Brooklyn, a team that plays really, really good defense. No, sorry, that's not true. I don't think Brooklyn plays good defense. <clears throat> a team that has a lot of very small guards, a team with Karis Levert, with Spencer Dinwiddie, and especially D'Angelo Russell, would kill Philly because Philly's a team that can't really guard guards. Like, they actually can't defend them because they don't have enough bodies. You got, like, James Ennis third. You have J.J. Redick. You have T.J. McConnell. You don't really have a real defensive stopper at the point guard or guard position. And so that has been a problem for them, and I thought that that would give them problems. But Philly really cleaned that series up and just took them out of it. They absolutely played well in that series. Uh, I'm kind of surprised it was 4-1, but uh, from the outside looking in, it's actually not that surprising. Now, Boston, Indiana. So Boston swept Indiana. This was crazy because Indiana is a team that you thought they were polished, so they would win a couple games. You thought that this team was a solid all-around team defensively. They're one of the best in the league. Offensively, they're not that good, but you think that their defense would at least stop Boston a few times? Never did. Boston was able to, in every game, it was a pretty close game. Boston was able to close it out in the fourth in all four games. You can look back. That's a fact. And that's because Indiana is missing a closer. They're missing an Oladipo, an all-star, who will close games for them and will do or die by his shots. Instead, they're relying on Bogdanovich and Wesley Matthews and those those guys to finish games. That's just not like feasible if you want to actually win a series. You need a Kawhi Leonard. You need a Joel Embiid or actually a Jimmy Butler. You need a Kyrie Irving. You need a, a Giannis or a Blood. So you need those guys to close out games. You need a Curry. You need a Harden. You know, these every one of these good teams, you got Lillard, you got Jokic. All these teams have a closer, a superstar or an all-star who will close the games for them, and Indiana just didn't have that. They're just, they're, they need Oladipo to play well. I actually gave Indiana, I think I, I said 4-1, I think I gave Indiana a game, but uh, I'm not really that surprised by this. After watching the first couple games, I knew it was over in four. I knew Boston was closing out every game. And so Milwaukee swept Detroit. That's not really a surprise to me. Um, Milwaukee, Boston is going to be a great series. They played today at one thirty. Can't wait to talk about that one. I have some good takes on that. But let's just move now to the Western Conference and talk about the first round. So you got Denver, San Antonio. Denver won in seven. I picked San Antonio in seven. 
And that was a close game. They lost 90-86. At the end of that game, I don't know if you saw it on, like, House of Highlights or the NBA or anything, but, um, or if you're watching the game, but, so Denver is up four with 20, like, five seconds left, and there's, like, a four-second difference in the shot clock. So that means that if they shoot and miss, they'll have four seconds left with the ball, and they're down four. What do you do in that situation? You foul, right? You you give yourself time, and then you can maybe call a timeout or bring the ball up and try and shoot a three to cut into the lead. You know, it's like a, a three for two kind of situation, which a lot of teams do. But I don't know why they just did not do that, and they just let them dribble out the clock, and then at that time it was already over. And I saw that the Spurs management were really mad about that at the time, and I'm sure they were pissed about it because they could have won that series. But I think that... San Antonio almost didn't want to win that series. Like, I think that it felt like they didn't really care. Like, that they had given it all they got and they had just given up. Or maybe it was a mental lapse, but I think you can't do that in a Game 7 of a playoff series. It's ridiculous. Um, okay, Portland, OKC. This is one of the best series to watch because of the, the rivalry between Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook. It's been a sick, awesome series to watch. And Portland won four one. Um, that doesn't really surprise me. I I picked I actually picked OKC in five, and I picked them to go to the conference finals. So let's just not talk about that. I really thought that Paul George would be a superstar, and though he had an injured shoulder, I thought maybe he would be healthy enough to carry this team. And we saw in game games one through four, he didn't really do much. It was all Westbrook, who was carrying that team and carrying that load, and um, he was playing really bad for his standard. He was playing. Westbrook type shooting which you can't have two rushes on your team you he has to be the efficient shooter he has to be the superstar <clears throat> with Westbrook if he's shooting poorly and Westbrook shooting poorly that's why they lost the series um on Portland side Damian Lillard really balled out he he did something where it just felt like he actually is clutch and he actually took over and he's got that dog and I'm really excited for this round two matchup I think that Portland's decently deep you got Seth Curry off the bench. You got players that can shoot. You got a nice system going. It really sucks that they don't have Nurkic, but maybe this is for the better where we can see Dame Lillard unlock his game and become in that superstar realm of conversation. We know he's like a top player in the league, but I don't think anyone considers him a superstar. He might be this season or this playoffs. He might prove himself to be a superstar if they can get through Denver and go to the conference finals, and that would be awesome to see because... I don't think there's anyone who actually dislikes Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. They're homeboys. They've been with that team for a long time. It's kind of like, how can you dislike these guys when <clears throat> they're they play for their team and they they don't go to super teams and they try and build something um, novel from the start from in their own place and build something from the ground up. And that's what we're seeing with this team. One last take though on OKC. We saw that in that last game. Paul George shot, I think, 12 of 15 or 12 of 16. He was super efficient. He had, like, 30 points. And Westbrook shot 10 for 31, or as we call him, Westbrook. I cannot believe that he shot 31 shots and only let Paul George shoot 15. And he does this on the every, every closeout game. He does this. He panics, and he's like, we're do or dying by me. And that's not the way it should be. From an efficiency standpoint, that doesn't make sense because you shoot... 30%, 33% from the field, the reason you guys lost. That's all I wanted to say. Give Paul George his touches. Give him as many shots. Give him five extra shots. Take five less. You probably win that game. Paul George probably hits like two or five, gets you six points. You're up so much more. You know what I mean? You're just so much more comfortable in that situation. 
Like, Westbrook, come on. You should not be shooting that much. We know you're not that an efficient shooter. What are you doing? And that's why this team frustrates me. I hate watching them because they play like this. I want them to win in my head. In my heart, I want to see them play Golden State or something. But I know they're just not consistent enough. And Westbrook just does not play winning basketball, or so it seems. I don't know. He's he's only 30. He's still got a lot of time. Maybe he wins a championship. Maybe he goes to the conference finals again. But I think, I think that he needs to change his game a little. Or at least slightly alter in these situations for them to play winning ball. He needs to change his way, his mentality going into the playoffs in terms of being a facilitator, trying to pass on the driving kick and trusting your teammates. I think that's very important, especially when you have Paul George next to you, a superstar. Uh, and last take, Damian Lillard is a fucking beast. I cannot believe he hit that shot. I cannot believe he shot that from 37. That takes balls. Um, I actually, after that shot, would would go to the to the ball courts and I actually practiced. I tried shooting it and I couldn't even I couldn't even get close. Like I could not even get that. That's crazy. Like this guy had such confidence and I think hopefully that carries over into the second round. Alrighty, so now let's talk about Houston, the four seed against Utah, the five seed. I said Houston and I think six. Uh, Houston one and five. They blew them out in the first two games. I think this just showed that James Harden is probably the best offensive player in the NBA. He really proved to everyone that he is. <clears throat> he was by far the best player in the series. And Utah, I don't know why Rubio would guard behind him. I thought that was kind of stupid, I think. <clears throat> I think that the best way to guard him would be trapping him on pick and rolls. That's probably the best way to, to beat him. I think that playing him straight up like they did and guarding kind of behind him makes no sense. And then... It was like Gobert was trying to guard both players, but neither of them at the same time. And it always led to a Capella dunk or a Harden floater or a Harden open shot or something. and Or Harden kicking it to someone and them hitting a three because they got good three-point shooters beside Harden. And man, it was just so hard to watch Houston do that. Like, I could not believe it. I couldn't believe the way that they played that. And <clears throat> now moving forward, I think that into the games three, four, and five... Utah continue with that. <clears throat> they continued with that strategy, and I think that the best way for them, the best way to guard them, like I said before, is Harden comes in on the pick and roll. Capella sets a screen, and then what you do is you trap him, you double Harden, make him kick it to Capella or something, and then when Capella's cutting into the lane, you have a rotation. So you have a player rotate to guard him, and you make Capella make the pass, and honestly, you can help out on that D and you can, honestly, there's better ways to guard him than the way they're guarding him. I didn't like the way they're doing it. <clears throat> I think maybe this is more just a testament to Harden than than um, Utah's defense. Utah may have played really good defense on him, but he's just a better, he's just a good offensive player and offense always beats defense. Oh <clears throat> uh, yeah, and then Utah had their game, gentlemen, sweep. That was pretty simple. Now, Golden State, the Clippers. This one surprised me because I think it was... It was, what, one nothing in the series. We were thinking, all right, Golden State's up 30 halfway through the third quarter. This series is basically one foot out the door. Golden State's thinking about Houston now. And then the Clippers go on a huge run to win the game, coming back from a 31-point defi- deficit, which is an NBA record in a playoff game, which is ridiculous. Golden State drops that game. They take game two. They take game three. No, sorry. They take game three and game four, so they're up 3-1. They go home to close out the series. And then they... They don't do the same thing, but they just they let Lou Will and these boys take him out, which is hilarious because they ended up just beating them on a, a Lou Will four-point play at the end of the game. 
And I couldn't believe that Golden State lost another game. And then going back to L.A., they closed it out. But the fact that L.A. took them six is major respect to the Clippers. They're really trying to give Golden State a run for their money. Um, I think no one expected this of the Clippers. I don't think any of you at the beginning of the season were thinking that the Clippers would even make it to the playoffs. And I definitely know I wasn't. They won 48 games, so they were not a bad team. They were a good eight seed. And they played their hearts out. And tip my hat off to Patrick Beverly and Lou Will, but Kevin Durant in Game 6 just put up 50 on them. There's nothing you can do about that. That's KD's game. He's the ultimate scorer in the NBA. And so now... Yeah, that's basically all I want to say on that. Good job for the Clippers for giving Golden State a run for their money. Alrighty. Now let's talk about... Let's go back and let's do the Eastern Conference second round. We're going to first talk about the Raptors game yesterday. So the Raptors beat the Philadelphia 76ers 108-95. to We saw a game where Kawhi Leonard put up a career-high 45 points in the playoffs. And he absolutely balled out. He shot so efficiently from the field. Um, I don't have his exact stats, but I think he shot something like uh, 16 of 23. So he shot, he, as he has this entire se- series and this entire playoffs, all six games, he's been so efficient. And it's just crazy looking at the numbers to think about how efficient he is. So Kawhi Leonard only takes 19 shots a game, and he averages 31 points per game. So, in the 35 minutes he plays every game, he shoots 58% from the field, 52% from three-point land, and 61% from two, 90% from the free-throw line. He also chips in seven rebounds, Three assists, which I know he's not a huge facilitator anyway, so he's usually just an ISO scorer, but at least he's we know he's willing to kick it on the drive if he gets a double sometimes. 1.3 steals uh, and only 2.7 turnovers. So I think I'm really confident in the way he's playing, where honestly, I've never felt confident in a player like this before, where I know Kawhi's taking us home, and I'm confident that he's actually a superstar. And, you know, you watch the game and you're thinking... Anytime he has the ball, you're like, anytime he shoots, you know it's going in. Or you think it's going in, which is a great feeling. I remember a few years back, or actually the last few seasons when DeRozan would shoot. And this is not a knock on DeRozan, this was just me. Um, I remember he would shoot, and I wouldn't be confident that he was making it. He would put up, he would pull up, he'd shoot it in the playoffs, and I'd be like, man, like I know that's not going in. Or like Damari Carroll shooting a three, or our old cast. Now I'm confident with everyone. I'm confident with Norman Powell shooting. Confident with everyone. I'm happy with where the team is. And um, moving forward, I think that Kawhi Leonard is going to carry us into the next round. And what a win, though. What a win by the Toronto Raptors, making a statement on Philly. So looking at the statistics, the Raptors held Philly under 100 points. They held them to under 40% from the field, under 35% from three. Um Philly should clean up their free throw shooting if they had cleaned that up. And as as well with the Raptors, actually. 14 of 21 for Philly, 17 of 24 for the Raptors. Both teams need to clean that up going into the next rounds. The big takeaway from this game on the defensive end is <clears throat> do not let Philly get all these rebounds, especially offensive rebounds. Close out defensive possessions, box out, grab those, grab those rebounds. The Raptors had two offensive rebounds, and Philly had, oh yeah, guess this, 
13 offensive rebounds. That's so many. Imagine if you grabbed half of those, how many less points they would have. They probably got, I bet you they got on those six, they probably got around six points as well. So you could have held them to like 89, 88 points if you maybe grabbed those offensive rebounds. And all those extra possessions is just unneeded. We don't want them to have those extra possessions. If you can close those, you can give them less possessions in the game. So Philly ended up having 10 extra possessions in the game. So they got to shoot 10 more times than us. That is not a recipe for success. You want to shoot just based off numbers alone. Like the Raptors shot 52%, so they are going to win this game. But Philly got 10 more possessions than you. You can't let that happen. As for assists, the Raptors had 21, Philly had 23. They also need to pick up on their assists. I think this is good. But I think you got to keep that ball moving because Kawhi got a lot of ISO scoring. I don't think a lot of his points were assisted on. A lot of them was him on the ISO, which is not ideal, but he does play. He is really efficient, so can't really take that away. Um, in terms of blocks, Raptors had six. They had two. Uh, turnovers, Raptors had 10, which is solid. Philly had 14. Philly's probably going to clean that up moving forward. Um, and, yeah, from a... From a Team statistic perspective, the Raptors played pretty well. The only takeaway is pick up on your three-point shooting, 9 of 27. Pick up on that. You're shooting 33% from three in that in that game. And pick up on those defensive rebounds. That's something we need to see moving forward. And so now going through the box score, there's only two Raptors players in double digits. Kawhi Leonard with 45 and 11 rebounds. And Pascal Siakam with 29 and 7 rebounds. We are seeing a, Kawhi, a playoff Kawhi Leonard just ball out. I don't think... You should be surprised by this. We all know he's a superstar. We know he's a finals MVP. This is what he does in the playoffs, okay? He's a baller. He is a monster. But Pascal Siakam, who would have expected this? Be the number two guy, like the definitive number two guy on this team, putting up 29 points and seven rebounds. He just does what he does. And, man, he's really been balling out this series. And he's very similar. He's like a Kawhi Leonard Jr. He puts up 24 points, eight eight rebounds on average, as well as shooting an effective field goal percentage of 62 and shooting 80% from the free throw line. So he's been pretty good. He's been definitely playing really well. Shoots 51% from the field. So he is a very solid, solid player. He has definitely uh, consumed that second role, in the, and we have one of the best front courts as a result of this with Marcus too facilitating. And Marcus I don't think he shot very efficiently. I think moving forward he needs to shoot the ball better. I saw him take a lot of threes. Uh, we don't need that from you. Uh, let Kawhi shoot those. Let Kyle Lowry shoot those. Let Danny Green shoot those. This is one of the big takeaways is Danny Green versus J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick had six threes. Danny Green had seven points. I don't. I think he only had one three. Maybe not even. So I think he did have one three. So <clears throat> that's a matchup that we need to, we need to eliminate J.J. Redick's um, influence on this team offensively by giving Danny Green the ball in the post more and posting him up. I don't think I think Dan, uh, JJ Redick was more on Kyle Lowry, but if we can get switches and get Danny Green in the post or get Danny Green open looks, we need him to shoot well because he can be an X factor if he can shoot well, hit some of those threes. <coughs> Excuse me, that's one of the things we need from him moving forward. Those are some of my big takeaways. Van Vliet had three points, Ibaka at at seven. Um, our role players did not play great by any means. Our bench, I mean, off of the bench, he got ten points. Um, I think Kawhi and Pascal played really well, but moving forward, we can't just rely on them. We need other offense from other players, and I think we'll get that. Just depends what the game gives us. Kawhi is getting 45 because no one can guard him, so I'm cool with that. <laughs> um, and now looking at the other side, 
Um, I don't know why Philly didn't play TJ McConnell. I was surprised that they played James Ennis. I think they're. I think this was a testing game. I think they're playing around with some some of their players like Bolden and James Ennis, and they got a lot out of Ennis putting up eleven points. And I know that if you watched the game, you saw that he played really well. I think moving forward, they're gonna we're gonna see more of him. So the Raptors are gonna need to at least deter him a little. I'm not too worried about him being the biggest offensive threat. I think some of the bigger takeaways is that no one on Philly scored over 20. You got J.J. Redick putting up 17 on six threes, basically. Wait, oh, so sorry, five threes, and then one that was, like, foot on the line, so two-pointer. So that's why he put up 17. Ben Simmons put up 14 and nine rebounds and three assists, so he wasn't really facilitating that well. He really took, I think uh, Kawhi Leonard took Ben Simmons out of his element. Um, moving forward, though, I don't like the way he scored. He was too much in the paint. Keep him out of there. Do not let him get in the paint. If he gets in the paint and he's trying to put up a jumper, worst case, foul him because he's not a good free throw shooter. Don't let him get these layups. Don't let him get these bunnies. We can't let Ben Simmons score that that much. You can't let him be a scorer. You can't let him be a passer. You basically got to take him out of the series, and to do that, you lay off him. And when he comes into the paint, Maybe trap him. Maybe strip him. He's known. He's young. He'll give up a lot of turnovers. He did that in, in all the matchups against Toronto in the regular season. He did that last night too. So, make him turn over the ball. He does that a lot. Um, another huge, huge factor, is that Embiid had only sixteen points and eight rebounds. So, Embiid got kind of deterred in this game, and I think that's what they wanted. The Raptors wanted to to minimize him. So when he would post up. Gasol. Gasol is really good on the post-up game. He's strong. So he actually gave Embiid a lot of trouble without fouling him. If you don't foul him, don't put him at the line. You're going to be successful against him. And I, I don't think he... He did not go to the line that often in this game. So the way they played him was really good. 16 points, 8 rebounds. Not a lot of free throws. Jimmy Butler played bad. 10 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. Um, Jimmy Butler was also getting overpowered by Kawhi too. I think on defense he really wore him out because he was trying to guard him, but he just could not. Um, Tobias Harris played really good, actually, 14 points, 15 rebounds, and 6 assists. And I know he got a lot of those offensive rebounds. I saw him getting up there. That's a guy that's an X factor for them. you got to make sure that you don't let him play well either because though he didn't shoot very efficiently, he got a lot of rebounds, got a lot of assists. He's a guy that I think is the fourth option on this team. And so I think that if you're forcing him off the three-point line and making him shoot contested twos, that will be fine throughout the series, letting him get his 15 points. But the rebounding is unacceptable, especially all the offensive rebounds. Moving forward, the Raptors got to fix that. And the Raptors got to get more out of their bench. And there was a couple other things people asked me on Instagram. Um, another person asked me about uh, keys to guarding J.J. Redick. Um, and so the best way to guard J.J. Redick, I would say, is to, uh, similar to what we did, is switch on the picks because... If you watch it, J.J. Redick will be in the low the low post area, and then someone will set an off-ball screen, and he'll come running out towards the free throw line, to, towards the off-shooting hand, and he'll catch and shoot from there. So, actually, he can catch and shoot from either side, off-shooting hand, on-shooting hand, doesn't matter. So, as a, a Raptors fan, I think that they need to be communicating very well on defense and switching that and not letting J.J. get open looks. Make him take contested threes drive him off the off the three-point line and make him pass it out to another player because he's their most deadly three-point shooter and as we saw in the beginning of the third of the uh third quarter in game 1 against Philly we saw him shoot the lights out he hit four threes in a row he was playing really well until he got elbowed in the face by uh by Danny Green <laughs> 
And dude, I I hope you guys saw that. He was really pissed. I I don't know why he lost his shit. Usually he's a pretty calm guy. But I don't know about I don't know. Uh in terms of Embiid, someone asked me if we how to guard Embiid without Gasol guarding him. Um that's a tough ask. Gasol is going to be our primary defender on him. On switches, this is going to be hard for players to guard him. I think the best way when Gasol is not guarding him is to just double team him. Um if he's posting up, get someone on his get someone on that left hip. No, sorry. So if he's posting up on you, yeah, get someone to go on that on that right side of him, so where his right arm is, and get him, get trap him, and try and strip him from there, because you know he's gonna go to that that right hand. He doesn't really go left. He'll post you up, and he'll try and he'll try and spin off right, or he'll try and put up a a fadeaway on that side. So get someone in there, get someone to trap him, to strip him, make it hard on him. Don't let him get dunks. Don't let him bully people. Make him take like fadeaways. Make him take. Those jumpers are making pass it out. That's what we want. The best way to do that is to double team him. And so that is all I have for the Toronto Raptors. What a great game, though. Looking forward to game two. Game two will be Monday at 8 o'clock. I believe 8 o'clock p.m. in Toronto again. So that'll be an exciting series. Now let's talk about the other series in the second round. Milwaukee versus Boston. This is a series that, though Milwaukee... Uh, is the number one seed and killed Detroit. I think a lot of people are underrating Boston. Actually, before I move on to that, I should do my prediction. I forgot what I was doing this for. I'm saying Toronto in... A lot of the people on Instagram are saying like four or five, like chill. All right, give them their respect. Give Philly their respect. I don't care if it's home or away. I think the Raptors can win it. I'm saying Raptors in six. I think that's a fair give. I'm really confident in their game. <clears throat> I know Philly's going to make adjustments in the game two and try and steal one at home. I think the Raptors need to also make adjustments on the boards and rebounding. Maybe uh, maybe get a have a bigger lineup when they start it. I just think the bigger lineup against Philly is a tough one because um, they're just such a, a weird team with with Ben Simmons as a, as like the point guard that going big might not work because he's so fast. But because he doesn't really space out, you could put like Abaka on him, and you could go big so you can get a lot of boards. I think moving forward, Nick Nurse needs to consider that. I don't think it'll be good offensively, but I think on defensive boards, when you want when you want to change the rebounding scope of this game, I think it's good to to kind of think of those options. So yeah, Toronto in six, uh, Milwaukee, Boston. As I was saying, I think a lot of people think Milwaukee's the best team by far between the two, but I don't. I think you guys gotta chill. All right, I think Boston's good. I think Boston might take game one. I think they're going to come out with a statement game and scare the Bucks because the Bucks are good, but I think Boston is very, very good too, and people are underrating how good this team really is. Milwaukee, though, so here's, what I'm, here's my take. I'm saying that in any close game, Boston will close it out, and this is because they have the best closer in the NBA in Kyrie Irving, and Milwaukee doesn't really have a closer. So think about this. The game is close. You need a bucket. Who are you giving it to? Are you giving it to Giannis, a guy who can't really shoot a jumper? Are you giving it to Malcolm Brogdon, can't really create his own shot? Who are you giving it to? Are you giving it to Brooke Lopez? No, you're not. Are you giving it to Middleton? Maybe. Um, a lot of their games, they get closed by Eric Bledsoe because he can. he's shown this season that he can shoot, and he's definitely a strong guy and can He's like mini LeBron, a lot of people call him point guard LeBron, because he's strong, really athletic, and he can get in there, get in the paint, like drive past a Kyrie Irving. So <clears throat> I think that in that matchup, Milwaukee won't be favored. So 
if Boston keeps it close till the end of the fourth, till like a few minutes left in the fourth quarter, Boston can close out these games. So all those close games, I'm thinking Boston's going to win, but I think Milwaukee is so good that they will blow Boston out by 15 points in a couple of games. So my prediction is Boston in seven. And a lot of you might, a lot of people are saying Milwaukee in five, Milwaukee in six. Give Boston their respect. <clears throat> I think Boston is a better team. I'm going Boston in seven. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm not. Uh, I want to hear your takes. DM me on on my account, Raptors Community, and let me know what you think between Milwaukee, Boston. Let me know what you think for Houston, Golden State, and let me know what you think for Portland, Denver too, because I'm just interested. So I got Toronto in six, Boston in seven, Portland, Denver. This is one where I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm going to say Portland in six. I think Denver is good, but I think Portland matches up better. Uh, Gary Harris is actually a very good defender, but Jamal Murray is a slightly poorer defender. I know they have uh, Malik Beasley off the bench and those guys who are also pretty good defenders. And as a team, Denver is a pretty good defensive team, but I think that CJ and Port- and Lillard are going to ball out and they're going to give them problems all throughout the series. I'm taking Portland in, in six. Uh, I won't be surprised if Denver won. I, I have no idea what's going to happen with this series. That's going to be a fun one. That's kind of like the the Who Cares series. The You get to go to the conference finals and get swept by <laughs> Golden State or Houston. <laughs> so that series doesn't really matter that much. Um, so now let's talk about the last series. Golden State-Houston. Probably the most exciting series of this second round. I, wa- I really want to hear your guys' takes on this. So co- comment. Let me know what you guys think of this. DM me. I'm always on my DMs. I'm on that ground, you know. Um, I got Houston in seven games. And the reason I'm taking Houston is because I think that though Harden, or sorry, though Kevin Durant is unstoppable, Harden has more guys to play off of him. So James Harden is is about as unstoppable as Kevin Durant, but just in a different way. And so if Harden's playing really well, Golden State will be sending doubles or off screens will be sending doubles because I know Golden State will play like, like that because they want the ball out of his hands. But Harden makes the right play. He'll make the good passes and his guys will get open looks. It's all about can these guys hit their shots. And Golden State without Boogie Cousins is very thin. That's a big loss for them. They're very, very thin. Golden State, besides their big three, they got an, an aging Iguodala. I think he's almost 35. Um, you got Livingston also aging. You got these players who off the bench aren't really versatile they've kind of sunk into their role though they play their role well I don't think they really have a spark plug maybe Quinn Cook is their spark plug but I just don't think he's good enough to be that guy I don't think he's as good as like Eric Gordon or those guys and I think that Harden alone will be a problem for Golden State and I'm taking Houston in seven but let me know what you guys think of that series uh, let me know your predictions and let me know what you guys think of my my page let me know everything I want to hear stuff. I want to hear good stuff, bad stuff, what you want to see different, what you like, what you want me to do more often. Uh, Let me know, okay, because I love producing good content for you guys. I love making this page, and I love doing these podcasts. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Also DM me and ask ask any questions you have about basketball. Um, Ask me what you want to see on the next podcast. Tell me what you want to see on the next podcast. I'll think about it. Try and get your guys' opinions in there. Uh, my next podcast might be maybe reaction to more more games. Maybe I'll do short short pods or 
maybe short videos on my page of my reactions to the Raptors winning games, uh, certain games, or um, the third round. Once the third round starts, my predictions there. So thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to follow me on Raptors Community on Instagram at Raptors underscore community. I post some of the best. Actually, I would say I post the best Toronto Raptors content on the gram. And I don't even think it's close, guys. I'm going to be real with you. I think I have the best page on Instagram. And I expect growth moving forward just because of that. So thank you guys so much for listening. Please subscribe to my podcast on Apple Music. Um, no, sorry, not Apple Music. <laughs> Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your pods. All right, thanks, guys. Peace out.